From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna stand right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you Hello, this is Bob Levy, the Legislative and Political Affairs Director of the National Association of Postal Supervisors, and welcome to Naps Chat. We have just returned from the National Association of Postal Supervisors' highly successful national convention. Hearkening to the historic admonition of our nation's first postmaster general, Benjamin Franklin, when he was publisher of the Pennsylvania Gazette, NAPS members deferred to the public health exigencies of our time in their convention conduct. It impressed me personally, and many others, that despite the event being attended by about 1,100 individuals, NAPS participants were appropriately masked, respectfully distanced, and public health compliant. I suggest that's evidence of NAPS members' patriotism and respect for their fellow human beings. Today, I have as my guest NAPS newly elected Executive Vice President Chuck Mullador. Chuck was overwhelmingly elected on the last day of the convention and immediately assumed his new position. It's my privilege to share a common wall in the NAPS suite with Chuck. Welcome back to NAPS Chat, Chuck, and congratulations on your election by NAPS members. You haven't been on the program for a number of months, so welcome back. Great. Very good. Thank you very much for having me on and uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk to our members. Uh, we come back on Tuesday, got to work right away. Ivan uh, and myself here at headquarters, our new Secretary of Treasury, Jim Warden, will be here on Monday uh, as he prepares to take on his new job. So the team is in, almost in place. And uh, just want to thank everybody, uh, the membership, for placing their faith and trust in me. Uh, by electing me to this very important position of uh, executive vice president. It's very humbling, uh, absolutely very humbling, and a responsibility I take very seriously and uh, pledge to do uh, all my best and uh, every day on the job to uh, make members proud and to do their work for them. Chuck, for the past five years, you served as NAP's secretary-treasurer, and that had specific responsibilities. How does your new post differ from the office that you vacated? Well, it's um, polar opposites in many ways. Um, having the fiduciary responsibilities of the organization for the last five years, uh, managing its its uh, funds, its expenses, its revenues, taking notes at meetings, uh, being a large part of uh, those types of things. In fact, the secretary treasurer, I think, is involved in every aspect of it because uh, revenue and expenses are involved in every aspect of our operation. So uh, a very important responsibility, uh, to be sure. Uh, this one a little bit uh, less on the fiduciary side, although we have to manage our SPAC revenues, we have to manage the DDF and so forth, uh, but uh, a little bit more obviously oriented, oriented toward legislation, uh, a little different portfolio uh, than the Secretary Treasurer as outlined in our Constitution and bylaws. So ready to get to work. Uh, I know what the job involves and entails, and I'm just proud to be able to do it. We'll talk a little bit about the legislative and SPAC portfolio in mm-hmm. a moment, but I'd just like to introduce you to, to a lot of our folks out there mm-hmm. um, who are even NAPS members and about your leadership style. I mean, during your postal career, you mm-hmm. worked in Ohio and South Carolina. Yep. Could you share some experiences during your career that helped forge your leadership style and approach to serving our membership? Well, I, I was fortunate in my career. I, I started out as a clerk. 
uh, in a plant in Youngstown, Ohio. I uh, was told one day that they were bringing in these brand new machines that we would never need clerks anymore. They were called DPS machines. And I'm like, well, it kind of scared me. So I went to become a carrier and uh, enjoyed doing that for nine years and then was promoted in 1997 to a supervisor position. So uh, I was fortunate in my career that I was able to kind of move up the ranks in the Postal Service from a supervisor to postmaster. I was a POOM, and my last job in uh, South Carolina was as a MOPS. So I, I learned a lot along the way, I think, about managing people and processes and structures and large organizations. So um, kind of mirrored my NAPS career, I think, uh, interestingly, as a, as a branch president and state president and board member and secretary treasurer and executive vice president. So they've kind of gone hand in hand, and I think we have to learn that leadership is about taking control of a situation and providing the, uh, the direction the organization needs to move in. It isn't always about telling people what to do. It's showing them how to be successful and showing them the way forward. So uh, I think that that's what we should all do in the Postal Service. I think there's Postal Service leadership that needs to learn that, and I'm happy to uh, instruct them on that whenever I get the opportunity to do that. But I think uh, leadership is more about demonstrating uh, how to be successful than ordering people to do certain things that uh, may not be in their best interest. Coming back to the recently concluded NAPS convention, other than your election, mm-hmm. do you have any takeaways or highlights you'd like to share with NAPS chat listeners? First of all, I'm always overwhelmed by the greatness of our membership and our people and their commitment to do the work of the Postal Service and the American people every single day. And when I get in with a group of 1,000 people like we had in, in Texas, I'm just awestruck by their stories about what they do, uh, how they work, uh, long hours, uh, little recognition, and all in the favor of doing a service to the American public. So I'm always overwhelmed by their commitment. It fuels me to do my best for them because they're doing the work of the organization. And uh, I just always appreciate that. And again, coming back from from this convention, I think uh, that's my takeaway. I'm, I'm just so impressed with our members and the commitment they have to, uh, to service the American public. On day two of the convention, the Postmaster General addressed the 1,000 <clears throat> people in yeah. the audience. What are your impressions of his presentation and his interaction with our members? Well, I would say um, probably a little good and a little maybe not so good. I appreciated him coming, number one. I thought that was important. For those of us who spent 33 years, as I did, and many spent many more years than that, you know, we bleed postal blue, right? That's what we say. We rose through the ranks. We achieved what we achieved. And for the most part, our postmaster generals were our colleagues along the way, started as clerks or carriers or mail handlers and rose their way through the ranks to the very top position. Uh, Mr. DeJoy came from outside the organization, and I, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think a different set of eyes, a different way of looking at things is not necessarily a bad thing. So I welcome his views on the Postal Service from the outside world. I'm not sure that I completely agree with some of his platform uh, in terms of um, smaller size packaging, more uh, ground transportation, less air transportation. And I completely understand the issues with Lyft and buying Lyft on FedEx and other uh, carriers, yet I'm a little bit concerned, uh, but I'm willing to give him a little bit of uh, 
leeway on that, and we'll see. Uh, so I guess, um, well, I'm glad he was there. I thought his message in, in many ways was very positive about the financing issues, his willingness to get some things done through Congress, and his ability, ability to look at the organization from a business standpoint. I think we're all positive. So uh, I would say it was uh, more good, not bad, but certainly some things we have to keep our eye on, and uh, we will. As we started out, one of the primary responsibilities of the executive vice president is being the elected officer with the portfolio mm -hmm. of legislation and politics. Right. Of course, you, as well as every NAPS member, has this lingering frustration with the failure of Congress to move, right. either H.R. 3076 or 3077. These mm -hmm. are the two major bills that we've been looking at for the last number of months. And they failed to move beyond approval by one of the three committees to which it was referred. Um, and these bills are referred to the Postal Reform Act of 2021 and the Postal Improvement Act, respectively. The House, as you know, referred the legislation to the Ways and Means Committee and Energy and Commerce Committee, and that referral expires at the completion of this month. So something needs to give. Right. What would you recommend our NAPS members do to sort of encourage those two committees to report the bill for Congress to pass the legislation, get it over to the Senate, to get to the White House. Yeah, well, I think it's it's a frustration with Congress of not only getting postal legislation passed, but a lot of legislation passed for the, that, that improves the lives of the American people. So uh, we share in that frustration. Uh, look, uh, there are—we've been advocating for postal reform bills now for— many years, 15, 16 years, huge frustrations uh, with getting those things through. There's political considerations now. Uh, there's uh, some concerns with some of the uh, issues around the Postmaster General. There's some investigations going on. Not privy to any of that, but it distracts from the mission of trying to get uh, the Postal Service right-sized and, 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 and set on a better financial path. And you know, what's good for the post office is good for NAPS members, right? We want the post office to be successful. But I think what we can do uh, while we work on that is pivot to our legislation. We've got uh, two bills, 1623-1624. Those are our bills. And if we're not going to advocate for our own legislation, nobody will. So while we want to see the post office uh, legislation get passed uh, and we'll be a part of that, we've got to really start focusing on our own legislation uh, because I think we have an opportunity to get those things done. They're not maybe necessarily as uh, world-altering as some other things are, but they do focus on a specific group of people, which is EAS employees in the Postal Service, and we've got to really start getting behind that. And it isn't something that you and I can do up here, Bob. We can work at it day and night, and we will, but we've got to get the buy-in and the commitment from people out there in the field to get these uh, critical piece of legislation passed. So advocating on behalf of our legislation with legislators while they're at home during these recess periods is absolutely critical uh, to, to the effort to get these, this legislation moved forward and, and passed. Yeah, as we talk about legislation in mm -hmm. a much broader sense, and we'll come back to the particular pieces that you just referred to, but in a broader sense, I know that you already have a vision of legisl legislative trading seminar for 2022, which right. will be the upcoming spring. Now, I know you haven't had much, well, maybe you have had a lot of time <laughs> to consider it. What is your vision of LTS 2022? Well, first of all, we're going to have LTS. 
Now, I'll temper that by saying public health conditions will always take precedence. So uh, we'll see what the landscape is like in terms of uh, uh, COVID and so forth moving forward. But I'm going to um, keep my faith that things will get better. And if they do, we'll have LTS at our normal place at the uh, Crystal Gateway Marriott. Uh, the dates are right now uh, March 27th through the 30th of 2022. So we'll have our normal, I think, as normal as it can be, depending again upon the public health situation, LTS. The piece that I think we have to work on and get creative with is going to the Hill, because right now, as you know, uh, it's very difficult to get into meet with uh, our Congress people and senators. So uh, we're going to have to see how that landscape looks. But I, I don't expect a huge change between now and March uh, in terms of access to the Hill. So we're going to come up with some creative ways, I think, uh, that we're going to talk about here shortly to allow us to interact with those legislators, perhaps through some Zoom calls at the LTS, setting up a remote area where we can actually filter into calls with legislators and their staff uh, to advocate for our legislation, as well as inviting people over and as well as uh, Zooming uh, legislators in to the conference and then having them live so they can take questions. So uh, we have to be a little more creative, but I, I think the value of LTS is there. I think the need is there. I think uh, we've seen, because we had to cancel it last year, the in-person LTS, although we did a, uh, you and I even did a fantastic job in putting on the remote LTS that we did here. I think the value of having our folks come together and uh, bring that message to the Hill in however manner we do that is invaluable. So um, that's the planning moving forward. We're going to get on it here shortly, and we'll keep everybody informed as we move along. Well, hopefully we'll be dealing with new pieces of legislation rather mm -hmm. than lingering ones, which brings me back to um, one of the bills that I had mentioned earlier, and that's H.R. 3077, the mm -hmm. Postal Improvement Act. Because in that legislation is is the bill that you mentioned, right. H.R. 1623, right. which is the Postal Supervisors and Managers Fairness Act. It's a bill that would establish a modicum of fairness and equity to the EAS consultative process, that is the uh, consultative process to determine pay and benefits mm -hmm. for all EAS-level employees. NAPS and the Postal Service have come to an agreement with respect mm -hmm. to the new pay package. Right. Could you talk a little bit about the pay package? Yeah. But And just as important, there are, might be those out there who believe, in as, in as much as we've come to this agreement, that the Supervisors and Managers Fairness Act is no longer necessary. You know, should the NAPS continue to advocate for it? Well, I think the, the pay agreement we have with the Postal Service highlights even more so the need to pass that legislation. Look, I'm going to give credit to our leadership uh, here, uh, our leadership on the board, as well as the leadership at the Postal Service uh, to get this done on behalf of NAPS members. So we had a lot of good things come out of this. Uh, we, we didn't get everything we asked for, but as in any negotiation, you never do. But we gave up nothing, and we gained so much. So one of the things that we heard a lot over the last few years is that our supervisors who work in stations and branches and, and AOs are making less than their carriers. And Title 39 says there should be a differential in pay between the craft employees you supervise and, your, and as, as a supervisor. So the Postal Service has set that at 5%. Now, while we don't agree with that number, and that's part of our, 
our uh, lawsuit against the Postal Service. We don't agree with that 5% number. That's the number. So historically, and for a long period of time now, care, uh, supervisors of carriers were, supervisors of customer services were uh, pegged to a 5% increase over uh, level six clerks at step O. Uh, unfortunately, for our supervisors in, of carrier operations, there were carriers that were making more than that then, so they fell behind. So one of our focus in last pay consultations, and as well as in this one, was to have a separate SDA, Supervisor Differential Adjustment, for Supervisors of Customer Service. So we were able to do that. So now, if you're a Supervisor of Customer Services, your minimum pay will be 5% above your highest paid carrier. So that's important. That's huge. So we were able to secure that uh, and create this extra and additional SDA category. Uh, that's going to be a pay raise for probably 10,000 of our members. So that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. So um, we had other things in the pay agreement. I think one of the other things that to me was important was the expanded leave, 80 additional hours of leave carryover. And that becomes important if you decide to retire in the next couple of years. You can get that additional leave uh, as part of your terminal check, which is very important, I think. And to be able to turn in an additional 40 hours of leave over the life of this pay agreement. So you can turn in a 40 more hours of leave. That's money in someone's pocket. So we wanted to focus uh, during these pay consultations on money issues, right? That was what was important to us. So uh, with some upgrades that we got, with a little bit of improvement in the, um, in the promotional pay from a 3 to 5% range to a 4 to 5% range, you know, we wanted 5%, but uh, we'll continue to work on that. So we look at it this way, that people that want to get promoted, people that are supervising uh, carriers in, in city and AO operations, uh, people who use and will uh, turn in annual leave. These are all positives for all of our members. So we've got work to do. Uh, don't think that if your group that you're a member of was not mentioned in this pay agreement that we forgot about you or that we don't think your issues are important because, believe me, uh, we do. Uh, we got what we could get uh, on this one as much as we could get, and we got a lot. Uh, but the work continues. So, And I think... One thing that I really think is very valuable in here is the work groups. So um, we're going to have work groups on pay. Uh, look, we didn't, we didn't expect that we could change the pay for performance system uh, in these pay consultations. As you know, we're suing the Postal Service over the pay for performance system from our last pay package that was imposed upon us for the 2016 through 2019 pay year. So we didn't expect them to to make big changes, if any changes at all. So that was a, a, a given going in. However, they did agree to work with us on developing some, uh, what we consider to be improvements to the pay for performance system, and we'll work with them through these work groups to, uh, to do that. I, I truly believe there's a recognition by postal leadership that pay for performance as it currently is structured is not in the best interest of our EAS. Uh, I think that they are committed to it, but there certainly are opportunities for us to uh, work on improving it. And, of course, the SWICs. Uh, SWICs affect supervisor staffing in, uh, in uh, carrier operations. Uh, we need to work on that. We need more supervisors, and I think we have a work group on SWICs. I do think we'll be able to get something done in that area. So a lot of good things um, in the pay, uh, <clears throat> the pay agreement increases in the minimum and the maximums. So if you're at the maximum of your pay, scale, 
Uh, those will go up 2% this year, percent and a half next year, and, and probably actually go higher than that. So folks can get the benefit of their PFP payout. We strongly believe this year, although we haven't seen the final data, obviously, but we strongly believe that um, there'll be maybe few, if any, folks in box two. We strongly believe, based upon the data we've seen so far, that everybody uh, pretty much will get a pay increase, some of the 2 to 4% range, some more. So these are all positives and things that we're willing to work with the Postal Service on to improve. I, I will say that these pay consultations were much more improved than they were the last time. Uh, I give the team at Postal Headquarters uh, a great deal of credit for wanting to work with us to get an agreement that was satisfactory to everybody. But the legislation tied into that. So the legislation has a critical piece in it that says if we can't make an agreement with the Postal Service and they can just kind of walk away and impose a pay agreement as they did in, in for 2016 through 2019, we go to a fact-finding panel. And as you know, we've talked about it many times, a fact-finding panel agreed with us the last time. Basically, 100% agreed with us. However, the way the law is structured now, the Postal Service can say thank you, but no thank you to the fact-finding panel. So this legislation makes the recommendations of a fact-finding panel uh, impress upon the Postal Service. They're binding upon the Postal Service. So it will make future pay consultations, I think, more, uh, more of a willingness on behalf of both sides to reach an agreement so we don't have a fact-finding panel deciding you know, what's best for all of us. So I think we had, a, we had a bad consultation process a few years ago. We had, a, I think, a much better one this time. But the legislation will, will force the Postal Service to t deal with us on a much more fair basis moving forward if we can get that passed. So that's why I think it's so important uh, that we do it that we do it now. You know, we, we don't want to be confrontational with the Postal Service. We don't. We want to work with them. We have said that for as long as I've been here. We want to work with them. Uh, we were able to do that. There's much work left to be done, a lot of work left to be done. But we have an opportunity now, I think, to have a better relationship with them and get things done for the members. And that's what I'm looking forward to with the, our uh, president, our new president, Ivan Butts, and myself here and our new secretary, Treasurer Jim Warden, uh, our members of the board. We have some new members on the board. It's a great team and great opportunities now to um, work together uh, to get some things done for membership. I want to mention two other aspects of your position as mm -hmm. the national um executive vice president. One is SPAC. Mm -hmm. I just want to share this number with you and get your reaction. NAPS members contributed a record amount that's associated with this most recent convention. And let mm -hmm. me tell you the amount. I haven't shared this yet. I, okay. I texted it to Ivan earlier today. <laughs> All right. Breaking news. $59,121 wow. <clears throat> was deposited in the bank. I mean, we're still that's counting. Awesome. Yeah. What do you make of this total, and how do you view? How do you think our members view SPAC in light of those numbers? Well, it's an awesome total. Uh, it's an amazing total. Great credit to to Ivan, the legislative team here, the, for the last seven years, really, that they've done so much, and it, it it leaves me big shoes to fill. I'm excited about it though, and gives me something to shoot for to make it better. Uh, but I think that what that tells me anyway, and should tell all of our members, is that. We understand how the process works. We, we may not think uh, it's the, the best way of doing things, that money is so important, but you know what? It, it's the reality of life. Uh, 
uh, on the hill, so to speak. Money drives the message. So to drive our message, we need people to contribute to SPAC. We need more people to give to SPAC. We appreciate all of those who give to SPAC, but we got to find ways, and we're going to be working on that, to, to expand our portfolio, to expand our contribution for a couple of reasons. Number one, the more money we have, let's just put it that way, the more outreach we can make to other members of Congress besides just uh, on our committees. We need votes. Uh, we can do that by building relationships with people who are running for Congress. And one of the focus I want to have, Bob, and, and we've talked about it because we can do it now, is looking down into state legislatures for um, bills that can improve voting by mail. So we're not talking about uh, voter access. We're not talking about uh, polling places. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about voting by mail because, number one, it's good for the Postal Service. It's good money. It's good revenue for the post office. Also, we proved we could do it. In the middle of a pandemic last year, we delivered some 60 million ballots by mail. So we proved that we're the best uh, group. We're the arsenal, so to speak, for democracy. We delivered. So we can do that. So right now, uh, there's probably 100 bills in state legislatures to restrict voting by mail. So that's bad for business. So we can do that now by expanding our reach into state legislatures to help do things that uh, will help advance some revenue for the Postal Service, as well as building relationships with people in state legislatures, because those people who are state senators and state legislators today become the congressmen and the senators of tomorrow. So we can do that only with a robust SPAC portfolio. So we need to, to work on it. We appreciate everything that's been done for SPAC. I think our members get it, and uh, we need to go out and, and try to expand that. Last question. Yeah. One of your other responsibilities is representing us before the Postal Employees Relief Fund. Yes. Uh, this has been a tough year. Yes. I mean, we just about the disasters in Louisiana yeah. and the southern yeah. part of our country. Can you talk a little bit about PERF? Yeah, it, it was interesting to me. We made a mention of PERF at the convention, and, and numerous branches walked to the microphone to make contributions to PERF. And I think maybe PERF has not been on our radar screen maybe as much as it should. But think about it. With all that's going on right now in our country, fires, earthquake, flooding, um, hurricanes, the need is real and the need is there. And uh, we can do so much through PERF by helping our own, so to speak. So I think it's very important that we step up a little bit on PERF. Uh, it's going to become a focus of mine, certainly, uh, while I'm here as the uh, vice president. And I just think that uh, our members, they showed at the convention that they care about each other. And I think that'll be a, a major focus of, of our organization uh, moving forward is the commitment to PERF and what PERF can do to help those members of ours who are in need, especially right now. Chuck, I want to thank you for coming on NAPS Chat this week. Here you are, the first week that you're executive vice mm -hmm. president, and you hit the ground running, and you're yep. ready to go. So thank you for joining us. There you go. Thank you very much for having me, Bob. Look forward to future encounters on NAPS Chat. Absolutely. <laughs> so, my friends, if you enjoy NAPS Chat, please leave a positive review in the Apple Podcast Store, and more important, tell your friends to download our podcast and listen in. Be well and safe till next week. I'm going to sit right down and write myself.
letter and make me leave again from you. I'm gonna. 